Thank you so much for your giving. And I just wanted to take a moment before we dive into God's word today. Um, I, I just wanted to say, I wanted to give a moment of honor to Pastor Bill because, uh, you know, it's nobody here is going, I mean, we're all, we're all just sad that, that he's leaving and that he's going to be moving on at the end of January. Um, but I think it's fair to retire for a third time when you're 70. I think that's fair. And, uh, but I really want to say this man here has been one of my top, maybe top three heroes in the world since I was about 18 years old. And uh, he's just somebody that has championed so many people and encouraged so many people and led so well and done amazing things. And God has been at work through him. And he's been just somebody that's constantly an encouragement and a mentor to so many. And I'm sure we'll continue. And so, you know, we'll do something when we get nearer the time when you're leaving. But can we at this moment just thank him for all that he's done? Can we do that? Thank you. He just whispered to me, preach. (laughs) He doesn't like the attention. So we got a video this morning. If you guys would hit that for me, that'd be awesome. Missing 
identified with any of those moments in that video, right? And the other half of you, you're lying. (laughs) Christmas can be a little bit crazy, right? It can be a little bit hectic, a little bit bit, um, busy. You got all the baking to do and all the cooking to do, which by the way are two entirely different jobs. And you have a house to decorate and it has to be decorated just so. And you have all the Christmas cards to write and put stamps on and, and mail out. Jeff and I once did Christmas cards and he forgot to sign his name to them. And so Christmas cards went out that said, Merry Christmas, love, Patty, and that was it. Because it can get a little bit hectic, right? And you, you've, got, you've got all the gifts that have to be bought that have to be the exact perfect gift for every single person on your list that will totally change their life so it's exactly right. And then you get all this extra time that you get to spend with family and friends and coworkers, whether you want to or not. And as you're going through all of this craziness and busyness of the season, you're supposed to look perfect and joyful and peaceful and all together the whole time because it's Christmas and that's wonderful. Does anyone else struggle with any of that? Just me? Okay. A number of us. So here's what, Christmas has its moments. And here's what I want to do today and over the next few weeks here at Evangel. I, I want to back away from some of that craziness. I want to I wanna just back away from some of the busyness and some of the hecticness that comes from all of it and, and find a space of meaning, the big meaning of Christmas and the, the meaning of the peace that's part of all of it and create a little bit of a space there again. I want to back away so that we can see the big picture and the overall view. And so here's what I'm going to need you to do, okay? First thing is you're going to have to use your imagination, okay? If you don't, you're going to walk out of here and go, what was she doing? You have to use your imagination this morning, okay? Here's the second thing I want you to do. I want you to just take a deep breath. Close your eyes if you need to. And then take all of that craziness, all of that stress, all of the gifts and the tree and the cooking and the baking and the people and everything, and pile it all in a mental box and put a lid on it, okay? And then take that box and put it up on a shelf. Just just for now, you can have your box of craziness back in a half an hour. But just for half an hour, take that box and put it on a shelf and let your imagination go because we're going to back up and we're going to look at the picture of Christmas, of all that it is, and we're going to back up so far that we're looking at it from the angel's point of view. Ready? 
There's different Christmas carols that speak to that. We sang some of that this morning about the angels and angels we've heard on high and hark the herald angels and, and, and different Christmas carols that talk about that. My favorite Christmas carol really helps me to imagine the big story of Christmas. And when I sing it, I like to sing it really quietly because it helps me imagine as I go. And the, the pictures that are within this Christmas carol, they, they remind me of the wonder and the beauty and the depth of Christmas. And it invites me into the story and into the huge picture of it all. Oh, little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. It's just a little town. It's just a little town in darkness. I love a town when it's in darkness, quiet at night or in the pre-dawn stillness. You know, since we've moved back to Montreal, I've been trying. I haven't succeeded very much yet, but I've been trying to get back into the rhythm of running. And when I'm, when I'm on with running, I like to be out in the pre-dawn darkness. I like to be out when the city's still asleep and everybody's just quiet. There might be one or two other people out there, but mostly it's sleeping. And all I can hear is the sound of my own shoes on the pavement or the sound of me breathing. That's all I can hear. There's this quietness and there's this peace that goes with that. And also this sense of silent alertness, if you pay attention. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by. Picturing it? Sometimes in the middle of the night or in the early morning before dawn hits, it's easier to get a sense of eternity. It's easier to get a, a sense of God's presence when you look up at the stars and you realize that life is so much bigger than all the busyness. And, and in the heavenlies, there's this broader view. The angels have a broader view of what's happening here on this planet than we do. Because look what the third line says. Yet in thy dark street shineth the everlasting light. See how it draws you in? See how it pulls you in? There's a whole story. It's not just a baby. There's a whole story, and it's from a heavenly point of view, and it starts with in the beginning. And you can see the story gets told. It gets told kind of twice in Scripture, actually. It gets told in Genesis chapter 1, which is the beginning of our Bible, the very beginning. The very first words of Scripture are in the beginning. And then it gets told again in a little bit different way in John's Gospel in the New Testament, chapter 1. And they kind of connect. You can see how the stories connect. It starts with, in Genesis, in the beginning, God. And you know, it wasn't God's beginning. God's eternal it's our beginning. In the beginning, God. John says, in the beginning, before all time, imagine that, was the Word. Who was Christ? And the Word, Christ, was with God. And the Word, Christ, was God himself. He was present originally with God. Christ was there in the beginning. And then Genesis keeps on going. It says, in the beginning, God created 
the heavens and the earth. And imagine the angels watching all of that. And John chapter one says it this way, all things were made and came into existence through him, through Christ, through the word. Without him was not even one thing made that has come into being. Christ was there in the beginning. And Christ was part of creation. He was the word speaking creation into existence. Are you imagining that? Genesis says the earth was without form and an empty waste. And darkness was upon the face of the very great deep. And the spirit of God was moving and hovering and brooding over the face of the waters. Notice the Holy Spirit was there in the beginning too. The Holy Spirit was there at that moment that creation was being spoken into existence. And God said, let there be what? Light. And there was light. John says in him. In Christ, in the word, was life, and the life was the light of all men. Christ brought light to a dark world. And Genesis tells the rest of the story of creation, and you have to imagine it as if you're one of the angels watching the whole thing happen, where God creates light, and he separates it from darkness, and he calls it day, and he calls it night. And then God creates heaven and earth, and he creates oceans and land, and then the creative word of God calls, into, calls vegetation into being, and, and right into existence, all kinds of trees and plants, and then the word, Christ, the word, uh, calls into existence birds and animals animals and fish and they just start forming and being part of this creation and then and then humanity was created by the word of God and created using God as some kind of a like as a model because the Bible says that we're created in his image and this phrase is repeated all through this whole creation story that God said it was good oh it was good The world was good. Creation was good. Everything that he had made, everything that he had spoken into existence, it was so good. And in the middle of all of this good, good creation, sin came. And I I don't think there was an audible roar, but it seems like there should have been. And I think that for the angels watching When that moment hit, when sin came into the world, they just watched in horror as disease came in and death came in to this world that God had created. And and good things, things that were supposed to be good, were twisted into ugliness. And they were made something they weren't supposed to be. And and anger came into the world and violence and pain and, and pride and greed and selfishness and all the things that we know. And worst of all, separation, this wrenching away of God from the creation that he had made, the creator from the creation, this separation and this pulling away. There must have been an awful shudder in the heavenlies when that happened, don't you think? Don't you think the angels must have just just gasped watching all this happen as this different kind of darkness spread across the earth and came between the world and its creator. 
You know, in the story of Adam and Eve that's told in Genesis, this, this serpent is the one that comes along and he, and he twists words and he manipulates things and he tempts them and they, they make a choice and they, they fall for it and they mess up so bad. And there's this story of questioning and blaming and finger pointing and, and banning them from the garden and judgment. But in the middle of that horrible story of that moment when sin came into the world, in the middle of that moment, right away, there's a hint There's just a whisper, a hint given from God that that says it won't always be this way. God said to the serpent that started the whole thing, I will put enmity, hatred between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers, and he will crush you. John said, and the light, the word, Christ, shines on in the darkness, for the darkness has never overpowered it. Just a hint, just a little whisper, and it won't always be this way, but it's this promise that hope will return, and the angels heard it. They heard this promise, they heard this hint, one day, light will come into the darkness. And then you read through the Bible and you read through the Old Testament and you see the results and the consequences of sin that came into the world. We see see murder happening. We see adultery happening. We see um, deceit and lying happening and violence and manipulation and injustice of the darkest forms and fear coming in. And, And God's creation is becoming darker as humanity finds new ways continually to just twist what we were meant to be. But in the middle of all of that horror, there are hints dropped all the way through the Old Testament. Whispers, prophetic whispers of a hope that will come, that it won't always be this way. There's one given to Abraham in Genesis when God says, I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and in you will all the families of the earth be blessed. Something's coming. And then Jacob, as he prophesies over Judah, who's, who's his son, and Judah's descendants eventually become the tribe of Judah. And Jacob is prophesying over Judah, and he says, the scepter of leadership will not depart from Judah until Shiloh, the Messiah, the peaceful one, comes. And then there's this weird story where another hint is dropped, and it's found in Numbers. And it's this, it's this prophet named Balaam who who is a prophet, seems to be, but he's motivated for all the wrong reasons. He's just in it for the money. And, he's, and so he's, it's a weird, it's one of the weirdest stories in scripture. And he's, he's hired and paid to curse Israel. And he tries to, but he can't because God's word comes up in him so strong. And he says, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel and he will crush the enemy. And then the hints, they get louder and they get more specific around David, who was arguably Israel's greatest king. The prophet Nathan tells David, your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. And David's lineage starts to become the focal point for where that hope is is resting, those whispers of hope that the angels are hearing. 
And it's in Isaiah. Isaiah is just this prophet who just bubbles constantly with these whispers of hope and these hints that something better is coming. And it says in Isaiah, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. That's David's dad. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of, say it with me, wisdom, understanding, counsel, power, knowledge, and fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord, it says. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the people. The nations will rally to him and his place of rest will be glorious. And then Isaiah, he just keeps on going because he's just bubbling over with these various hints and moments about something that's coming. And he says in Isaiah 7, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the young woman who is unmarried and a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name, what? Emmanuel. It means God with us. God with us. This promise, this hint that the angels are hearing, that the distance between God and his creation will sometime disappear. The separation will, will, be, will be taken away and the closeness will be restored. God with us. It's a whisper of what's coming. And Isaiah 9 says, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great, what is it? Light. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. The government shall be on his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And you know, other prophets see it too, even as the spiritual darkness is just all around this creation, all around this world. They pass on these whispers of hope that God gives them. And you know, these prophets, they don't even understand what they're saying. They don't understand what it's going to look like. They don't understand when it's going to happen. They aren't sure how it's going to look, but they pass it on anyway because God gave it to them. And the angels are listening to this too. They're listening to all the hints and they don't understand it either, but they're waiting. And you can see Jeremiah, he says, I will make a righteous branch, the Messiah, sprout from David's line. He will execute justice and righteousness in the land. He will be called the Lord our righteousness and David will never fail to have a man sit on the throne of Israel. And then Daniel bursts out with another hint, another prophecy. The son of man, the Messiah, will be given dominion and glory and kingdom. His dominion is an everlasting one that will not pass away and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Never. And then Zechariah, this verse that we looked at just a couple weeks ago, if you were here, said, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle, riding on a donkey. Remember we talked about that? Mark chapter 11, Jesus riding a donkey into Jerusalem. And then the very last prophet of the Old Testament, Malachi, and he says, the Lord, the Messiah, whom you seek, will suddenly come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant, whom you desire, will come. And then there was silence. 400 years. No more prophecies, no more hints, no more whispers. And creation waited. And the angels watched and waited. And creation continues on in darkness, 
separated from the word, separated from the Christ who created it. And the angels ache, the spiritual world aches at what evil has done to beauty. And creation longs and groans for light to come in and push back the darkness. And they still hold on to whispers and they still hold on to the whispers and hints that were given in the past centuries. And there's, there's speculations. Well, maybe when God's promise comes, maybe he'll be a warrior. Or maybe, maybe, maybe he'll be a king. Or maybe he'll be like, you know, the ancient prophet Elijah. Maybe he'll be like him. Or maybe he's going to be like, like David and he's going to bring Israel right back to the glory days, right back to prominence like, like it was in the time of David. And it ends up becoming part of the tradition of God's people, among God's people, to talk about these whispers and these hints. And so every time there's a wedding, then whenever, whenever a young girl gets married, it's part of the blessing that's said on her kind of with a smile, maybe the Messiah will come from you. Maybe you'll have the Messiah. Maybe you'll have what we're waiting for. And there's no new hints. There's just these past whispers swirling around, the promising hope, but never saying when or how or what it's going to look like. Until one day, an angel appears to a young girl named Mary. You will conceive and give birth to a son. And you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel. Since I'm a virgin. The angel answered. The Holy Spirit will come on you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And the whispers get louder. The whispers among the angels start getting a little bit more prominent and a little bit louder. And they get a little bit more focused around Bethlehem. Because heaven hasn't forgotten. The angels haven't forgotten that God had promised way back in the beginning when everything went so horribly wrong God had promised that it wouldn't always be this way but there would be hope and something would change and light would come to the darkness and the angels remember the prophet Micah in the Old Testament who said but you Bethlehem although you're small in Judah out of you will come one who will be ruler over Israel what was that line? In that sleepy little town where everybody was sleeping, the stars are shining overhead. Yet in thy dark streets shineth the everlasting light. Light. There it was, John says. The true light was then coming into the world. The genuine, perfect, steadfast light that illumines every person. And you know, most of Bethlehem didn't even see it. Hardly anybody even saw it. They didn't recognize it for what it was. John said he came into the world. And even though the world was made through him, the world didn't recognize him. But the angels did. 
the angels did. They had watched for centuries and they had waited for so long and they had listened to all those hints and all those whispers of something to come. And when light appeared in that Bethlehem street, they knew what that moment meant. It meant that the word that had spoken creation into existence had been sent to take it back. Jesus, who had spoken creation into existence, had come to take it back. And it meant that in those quiet streets, life came face to face with death. And it meant in those quiet streets, light was meeting spiritual darkness and darkness couldn't stop it because the darkness has never overpowered the light. And it wasn't the final challenge. That wouldn't happen until the cross. But in that moment, there was a silent sizing up of the enemy. The hopes and fears of all those years are met in thee tonight. Isn't it amazing that something so huge can happen so silently? (laughs) I mean, no wonder the angels sang when they got to the shepherds, God had just snuck into Bethlehem and nobody even noticed, but they did. And the thing that the shepherd saw of angels singing, that was the tiniest little glimpse of what was happening across the heavens because they had been waiting and waiting centuries uh, for, for this to happen. All those hints, all those whispers, all those promises through all those years. And creation itself hadn't even really understood any of it because all we ever knew was darkness. That's all we knew. And yet those hints and those prophetic words had stirred something up in creation, had stirred something up in us, longing for something, waiting for something, this unnamed desire, this this unspoken plea. And they didn't even know what it was about, but there was this longing for something. It was hope. It was hope that came that night. It's not just a baby. (laughs) It's not just a story of a baby. Hope had come in that moment. Eternal light started shining in those dark streets in Bethlehem, promising a renewal of everything that sin had corrupted and promising a healing and a restoration of everything that evil had broken and promising a straightening out of what sin had twisted, promising promising life where death had come and promising that God's promise was being fulfilled. Hope. And today, here, in this space where we live now, that gets forgotten. And the stuff that's in the box that we put on that big shelf, it takes over everything. The craziness and the hecticness and the busyness, it takes over everything and suddenly hope gets taken for granted and it's hope that gets put in that box on a shelf. Oh yeah, we know it's there, but it's up there. And sometimes I wonder, amidst all the shopping, as the angels watch us, 
shopping and decorating our houses and baking and cooking and holding little socials and doing all the various things that we do over Christmas. I wonder if they watch us and wonder, I wonder if they remember that longed for moment in Bethlehem so long ago. And I wonder if they think we forgot. We forgot about it. Can I just tell you something? It's still here. Light is still here in darkness, still shining. Jesus is still here. Jesus, the word from the beginning, born centuries later in Bethlehem, still offers hope. He still offers hope that God's promises do come to pass. Still offers hope that light does overcome darkness. It just does. Still offers hope that the creator of the world cared enough to come and take it back. And that that creator still cares enough for you and I to do the very same thing. I'm going to ask if you would bow your heads at this moment. I think it's really important when we listen to scripture and when we look at scripture to give God a chance to let it settle in our hearts and to ourselves respond in some way to it. So if it helps you open up your hands as a symbol of openness to God, that's one of the things that I often do when I'm praying. And just invite Jesus back into your Christmas. Invite that hope the promise fulfilled, back into the season. And you might be somebody who's here and, and, and you're just living normal life and you're just, you know, it's busy and there's so much to do and it's all well and good, but there's just, there's just stress and there's difficulties and there's normal life. At this moment, I want to give you an opportunity to whisper a prayer that says, Jesus, come back in. Come back into normal life and the stress, the busyness and the hecticness. Be the light that shines in and through and beyond all of it. Or you might be somebody that's here and it doesn't feel normal because something's gone horribly wrong. Maybe you're in grief, maybe you're in trauma. Maybe you're dealing with loss, loneliness. You can whisper that same prayer. Jesus, come in. Come into my Christmas. Jesus, I, I'm just struggling right now. And I'm asking you to come in and be the light because I'm just about getting swallowed up by darkness. Whisper a prayer that invites him to come, push back the darkness, restore what's broken, heal what's been damaged, bring comfort where there's loss. Jesus, come in. Or maybe you're here, you've never really asked Jesus, invited him in to be part of anything. Or maybe you did, but it's a really long time ago and it hasn't really meant much recently. And you're here going, I don't really understand everything that she just said, but it sounds like it matters. And it sounds like there's meaning to it. And I, 
I want to have more than just the hectic busyness of Christmas. I want the meaning behind it. If that's you, you can whisper that very same prayer. Jesus, come in. Would you come into my Christmas? Would you come into my life? Jesus, would you come in and let your light cleanse away and wash away any darkness that's in my life? Bring me close to you where I've been separated from you. Be Emmanuel, God with us in my life. Come and be welcome in this space. We ask this in Jesus' name. I'm gonna ask our worship team to just lead us in a song again. And as they do, there will be elders and, and ministry team that are gonna be up at the front and maybe at the sides. And if you would like prayer, you can come to them and then we'll close the service. And ask the worship team if you would, please. <laughs>